Chapter 18 I looked out over the cars. The Toyota pickup truck had gotten out of the jam and was moving our way. I could not see the entire truck, but the distinctive roof lights were moving above the parked cars. I was unable to see the foot soldiers out on the flanks, who I figured were keeping low, like we were. I said to Elena, like before at the motel, we move as a unit, keep in touch. She nodded. I moved in a crouch between cars, toward the Toyota. I remembered a briefing about active shooters. Average police response time is five or six minutes. Usually, the shooter commits suicide or is killed by the police. Sirens were already faintly audible in the distance. Elena was holding onto my backpack, shadowing me. I squatted down and paused. Open the backpack and take a look. I waited while she undid the clasp, looked inside and was able to see the Coke bottles taped together, filled with gas. You see them? I see them. Should I take one out? Not yet. I gave her Dave's Zippo. When I say so, you take one out, hand it off to me. Think you can do that? She said, do I light it? I'll tell you when to light it. You just hand it to me, okay? Another nod. I think so. Good. And keep the gun down until you need to use it. Elena nodded again. You already said that. I know, but it's a point worth repeating. She nodded for the third time. Okay. Elena was doing well under the circumstances. There were three more shots. The back of my mind had lost count. The front of my mind said it did not matter at that point. We moved out, weaving between cars in the direction I had last seen the Toyota truck. A middle-aged man snuck around the corner of a VW van. I did not blink, kept the Glock down behind my leg, and kept moving. Not too fast, not too slow. The guy brushed past me, his eyes bugging. I crossed over past the van, squeezing between the hood of a red Hyundai and a Chevy. Movement to my right. A man appeared around the back of the Hyundai. I saw him spot us and raise his gun hand. I had the Glock up, put two into his chest. Bang, bang. The guy went down on his back, floundering, like he was trying to get up, but couldn't figure out how to make that work. He squeezed the trigger wildly, twice. One of the rounds went into the sky. The other came off at a shallow angle with the muzzle pointed low at the car. I ducked my head away. The bullet hit the Hyundai's underbody from a foot away, ricocheted back onto the ground, and smacked into the bumper of the next car over. The guy tried to get the gun up again, but I moved in, one quick step, and put a round into his face. A red hole bloomed under his right eye. The head snapped back to the asphalt. The guy settled into death with a grimace. I peered around the Hyundai's windshield. The Toyota pickup was a couple of car lengths away. I turned to Elena. Now. I crouched down, my back to Elena, allowing her to fiddle around inside the bag. I looked over my shoulder. I would not have much time with the improvised bomb. I looked up again through the windshield. I figured it would be better if we were further up, at an angle 
that would allow me to put the bomb right into the cab. Elena handed the taped Coke bottles to me. I took the bottles and hustled along in a crab walk, keeping real low. Elena was right behind me. We got three cars over, and I switched the Glock to my left hand and said, Light it. Elena concentrated. The Zippo clicked again. I felt the heat as the braided shirt strips flamed. I moved quickly between the two cars, timing it just right as the Toyota came abreast. I saw the short, thick-set guy driving, windows down, eyes scanning. Next to him, on the other side of the Toyota, the guy with the bat tattoo whose jaw I had destroyed was slumped against the door. The driver caught a glimpse of me just as I was winding up. He acted fast and hit the gas. But I got the bomb off in time, watched it sailing through the air, making an arc of fire right into his window. The flaming Coke bottle dinged off the steering wheel and impacted on the toughened glass of the Toyota's windshield. The pickup truck's cab blossomed into flame with a rushing sound as combustible gasoline splashed everywhere. I caught a glimpse of the short, thick-set guy's upper body and head on fire. On the other side of him, the bat tattoo guy was shuddering, burning gas all over him. Then the truck was accelerating up the thoroughfare lane as if the driver's foot was glued to the pedal. Two shots popped from only a car's length away. The driver's side window of the Hyundai was punctured, inches from my head. Two holes in the tempered laminated glass. No shattering, but I got a face full of glass powder, which was not pleasant, but thankfully did not get in my eyes. While my head was down dealing with that, I heard three shots in quick succession from behind me. I wheeled around and there was Elena, her back to me. Ten feet in front of her, a guy was face down, half underneath the car, looking dead. She stepped to him and put a round into his head. I said, that's how you do it. I put a hand on Elena's shoulder, keeping her down with me behind the car. I counted enemies, three down from the Toyota pickup truck, including the thick-set, short guy who had been driving. The guy with the bat-faced tattoo would not be rejoining the fight, which accounted for all four of them. I stood up from behind the car, looked back toward the Walmart. A line of civilians was hustling along the wall in a half-crouch. I could make out Mallory's pale, bald head at the rear, pushing them along single file. Dave was out on the wing with his bushy white mustache military haircut. Fine, but something was bothering me, and I did not know what. Elena was looking at me. She looked tense. I said, give me a second, I'm thinking. Don't forget to breathe. She started breathing. The tension in her face washed out, like a blanket being straightened. Elena shifted her body closer to me, and leaned an elbow on my shoulder. I hadn't heard any more shooting from the gunman with the AR-15. I said, You see anything moving, you tell me. Police sirens were wailing, closer than before, multiplied and coming from all directions. Around us now, nothing moved. Nobody was running. It looked as if everyone had gone to cover hiding. Either to the Walmart with Mallory and Dave, 
or on their own, huddled under cars or behind whatever obstacles they could find, hoping that the shooter would not find them. I turned toward the gas station, up the slight incline. The GMC sports utility vehicle was stationary. The windows were dark. No way of knowing how many were in there. Elena said, I don't see anything. Maybe it's over. I said, maybe, maybe not. I rewound the situation for a second. Put myself in the shoes of my enemy. What would I be doing if I were them? For one thing, I would not have four men sitting in a vehicle covering exit routes. Two guys sitting in the GMC would be enough. The other two could be mobile, out hunting on foot. That's what had been nagging at me. About a quarter of a second after that thought occurred to me, I heard a bang and was pounded in the side by a giant metal fist. It was a bullet, not a fist. It smacked into my right side, ribcage area. I felt the impact in my ears, like my bone structure had been rocked. I have been shot before, which did not make this time any better. What happens is, you do not realize you've been shot, because there is no pain at first. You feel as if you've been hit with a hammer, which in a way you have. The shot blew me off balance, tossing me against the side panel of a parked car. The Glock went skittering away under the car. What I felt was winded, like the breath had been sucked out of me. I looked up at Elena. She was looking at me, horrified. Then she turned back around. Behind her, I saw a woman approaching, pistol held out front. It was one of the Sicarias I had seen in the back of the GMC.